Welcome to The Recovery Show. Unfortunately, this week, first my co-host, then I, were under the weather, and we had to postpone recording the planned episode until next week. So please enjoy this encore episode of The Recovery Show. So it was a complete roller coaster yeah. ride. I mean that that was the that was the whole thing. And that you know, roller coasters can be fun. You know, <laughs> roller coasters are great. I love them, but not when they go on for a year. Welcome to episode forty-five of the Recovery Show. We are continuing to record our episodes live. If you are online now, you will hear the raw, unedited form of this episode, and will be able to interact with us in the chat room. Check the website for the time of the next recording and join us. This episode is brought to you by Jenny. She used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Jenny, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you, whether you want it or not. <laughs> I mean, chaos? Come on. <laughs> we are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Why do we, codependents, create chaos? Why do addicts create chaos? How do we find islands of serenity within chaos? You guessed it, today we're going to talk about chaos. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we and our guests may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of chaos. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Kelly. How are you today, Kelly? I am fantastic, Spencer. Thank you. Oh, that is great. And uh, next to Kelly is our special guest host, Wendy. How are you today, Wendy? I'm good. I'm really busy today, yet not chaotic. Nice. Nice, yeah. Okay, the first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, chaos. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief notes about the podcast before closing with another musical break. We have a reading to start our discussion today. This comes from the book How Elanon Works on page 30. Some alcoholics feel guilty about their need to drink and find it much easier to blame the drinking on someone else. Such alcoholics often provoke those around them trying to start an argument or create a crisis. We who live or work with them tend to react to this provocation, arguing back, defending ourselves against unjust accusations, making accusations of our own. In the end, the alcoholic gets exactly what he or she was looking for, an excuse to drink. Dry or sober alcoholics sometimes use the same tactics to create a diversion so that everyone's attention will be drawn away from a topic or situation with which they are uncomfortable. I can certainly relate to that. Mm -hmm. As I said, my name is Spencer and Kelly... Uh, what do you mean by chaos, or how do you understand the word chaos? For me, chaos is one of those words that sort of evokes a physical feeling when I hear or say the word. <laughs> kind of like I, I can't separate those two things. So it, it feels um, sort of like the Tasmanian devil. Remember the cartoon, <laughs> the Tasmanian <laughs> devil? Yes, exactly. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Like, wow. <laughs> whether it's me or whether I'm watching someone else, you know, it's just that, like, spinning, whirling, moving, all over the place, disorganized uh, craziness. Yeah. And we have a definition here. Do you want to read that for us? We do, yeah. Dictionary.com. 
that small print says it has two options here. Um, one is a state of utter confusion or disorder, a total lack of total lack of organization or order. And the second is any confused disorderly mass. Wendy, how do you understand chaos? Um, maybe as it applies to your life. Um, I said earlier that I'm really busy today and I tend to overschedule myself sometimes. So that's one of my things that I'm working on. And, um, being busy is fine. Chaos is something completely different. Chaos means I'm completely out of control. And whether it be something that I never even had control of to begin with because it's chaos brought on by somebody else, or it's my own that, you know, I brought upon myself and I've just got myself into such a state that, that there's no easy path through it. So it, it's, I think, Kelly, kind of like you said, it, it does. It, it brings up a, an emotion. When I think of busy or even when I say the word overscheduled, I'm calm. But when I think chaos, it, my hackles rise and I instantly <laughs> get nervous and my heart starts to, to race a little bit. So it's just a really uncomfortable feeling. I know that I've gone over the edge into that, that chaos realm when I start to, uh, to, to, to feel that uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think. A defining characteristic of chaos is, is that out of controlness. Um, and as the definition says also, um, a state of utter confusion or disorder. I mean, mm -hmm. disorder is, is, um, certainly relates and, but I think it's more the out of control part. Um, one of, uh, I, I posted a note, uh, in the forum on a website in the rooms.com, which is sort of a social media for recovery. And I posted this question saying we were, we were going to be talking about uh, chaos on our podcast and just asking people to sort of contribute their understanding. And one person wrote chaos is the storm before the calm <laughs> as opposed to the calm before the storm. Eh? I too often can't seem to get out of the storm though. Not all chaos is bad, but leaving chaos unresolved is a double whammy because the next chaos to come along doubles up on the first chaos rather than finding its own file in the resolved section of my mind and heart. <laughs> this is a great subject. My biggest problem with chaos is my attitude of, I see your attitude and I'll raise you one. <laughs> that connects right back to the reading, doesn't it? <clears throat> it's like having to always have the last word to prove that you can't control me. And... uh that I can, I can really relate to, yeah, I'll see your attitude and I'll raise you one and, and having <laughs> to have the last word. And that certainly in, in my relationship, um, with active drinking, that was, that was a real problem for me that I wanted to have the last word. I, I wanted to be right. Uh, that was sort of part of my contribution to the chaos that as I responded to whatever provocation came in, um, yeah, I would raise one. Uh, and um, and that led to disorderly, unmanageable, chaotic um, <laughs> situations. Yeah. Um, maybe Kelly, can you reflect on on before you came to the program? Um, what sort of chaos did you have in your life? Hmm. What sort of chaos didn't I have in my life <laughs> before the program? I think is is the more appropriate question. Um, oh goodness. Well. You know, I, I think, uh, this is a hard question to answer. Before the program, I, I definitely had a lot of internal chaos. Um, 
you know, my family of origin was not one, and I, I think I've talked about this before, but was not one in which we had a lot of open discussions about anything that was happening or how you were feeling or we didn't really discuss anything except, you know, the, the day-to-day stuff. And um, so anytime something was going on with me, it wasn't, there wasn't a forum for like, hey guys, you know, what do I do in this circumstance? You know, I mean, I had a couple of friends that I could go to, but, but most of the time I feel like I sort of just absorbed and, and internalized. And, um, you know, there just wasn't a lot of room to have those sorts of emotions that come along with chaos. Like it wasn't appropriate to be out of control or, um, upset or frantic or, you know, those things, there just wasn't really a place for that. And so, you know, all of that was happening in my head. Meanwhile, I'm trying to, to create this sort of like, you know, Stepford wife kind of like everything's wonderful image on the outside. And, um, so, so yeah, there was a lot of chaos going on in my head. Um, just about, um, really any, you know, anything that I wasn't comfortable with. Um, and then once I started, once I started dating seriously, um, you know, I seemed to strangely find myself attracted to only alcoholics and addicts and, um, none of them were in recovery. And so there was a lot of external chaos in that circumstance of, um, of being exposed to, because I didn't grow up in an alcoholic home. So being exposed to this behavior and these situations of watching them use and drink that I was not familiar with and trying to navigate, like navigate that behavior against this message that I received, you know, from school and, and, uh, television of drugs are bad. And, you know, this behavior is not okay. And, and, only bad people do these things. And, you know, here, here is my partner, <laughs> this doing person that, yeah, doing these mm-hmm. things that, that, um, you know, and, and seemingly enjoying them, having a great time, you know, um, so, so there was a lot of chaos around that too, I think, um, just trying to figure out like, uh, how to, how to navigate that situation of, you know, sort of, I guess maybe like the devil and angel on your shoulder, you know, one person is telling you like, this is bad. And the other one is telling you, this is great. And like, I don't know what to do with all this information. Um, and you know, especially around the, um, the tough times, you know, when, when whoever I was with, uh, drank too much or, um, I don't know if it's appropriate to tell this story or not, but, uh, I, I remember taking acid once with this guy I was dating and we were driving trying to get to a friend's house where no one's parents were home so that we could like all just kind of like relax and supposedly enjoy. I never enjoyed acid. It's a horrible drug. Um, but. So had you taken it before you started driving or you were yes. driving to get the, yeah, okay. no, we, we had already I, taken it. That's I'm what sorry. I, thought I understood from what you said. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. And I never, um, in this particular relationship, I, I never drove under the influence because I think he was smart enough to know that I was so new to that experience that it was not a good idea to put me mm-hmm. behind the wheel. But we, we got to this intersection and there, um, it, it was a very 
busy intersection and there were a lot of lights and a lot of um it, just a lot going on and like he started to panic like i don't think i can drive anymore and i was like uh okay well i certainly can't drive so are we just gonna sit here in the middle of the road like what <laughs> what do we do right now like this is not okay um and and so there of course Man, i'm getting that feeling just hearing the story <laughs> yeah like, ah. yeah there were a lot of circumstances like that too you know g- getting getting ourselves into situations that um we weren't sure how we were going to get out of them and you know that's uh, definitely a chaotic feeling too because there's no turning back you know like you can't untake the acid mm-hmm. you can't like yeah, yeah. so yeah, you can all of, all of a sudden just be sober right yeah and drink the drink i yeah, changed my right. mind <laughs> i don't like this um, i don't i don't want to do this anymore make it go away right yeah. right oh wow so yeah. yes lots of chaos yeah. before the program <laughs> how about you wendy um yeah before coming to the program my handling of chaos you know hit an all-time low um i had been dating an alcoholic and um that was really my my first up close experience with being with an alcoholic um came from a, a family of heavy drinkers binge drinkers but but not really alcoholics and it found out later after getting uh, into the program i had lots more friends that were alcoholics than i ever knew <laughs> um, but but i kind of you know would party with them and then i'd leave them at the end of the night so i guess i just didn't recognize that i was with all these alcoholics so 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 you know becoming in a, a serious relationship with an alcoholic really brought the the, the chaos home but but I've found, you know, now that I've been in recovery, how much chaos was in my life well before the alcoholic came into, uh, you know, uh, it, most of it was my own making, mm-hmm. but I, it would, it would get so bad that I would over, I was such a people pleaser and so codependent that I would over schedule myself so bad that I got to points where I just couldn't take it anymore and I would make myself physically sick. Mm-hmm. And then I, couldn't do anything. So I would go busy, 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 crazy, 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 and then just collapse and, you know, be sick for three days. And then that, you know, kind of let me recover. And then I would build up the crazy, build up the crazy, and then collapse sick again. And people are like, why are you sick so much? You know, have you gone to the doctor? And <laughs> yeah, the doctors can't find anything because I'm doing it myself. You know, I'm bringing this craziness upon myself. So, but, um, yeah, being in a relationship with with a, an alcoholic definitely um, brought it to a whole new level of crazy. Um, just it up a little. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, just situations I found myself in that I just never could imagine, you know. Um, and I didn't even realize that I was with an alcoholic for probably the first four months. You know, mm-hmm. it was just he was just a heavy drinker, and I had heavy binge drinkers in my family, so that was all the same and you know and i would join him but then when i found i was joining him too much i was drinking too much myself for my comfort level Mm -hmm. um so that's that's when i started to back down and then it was really evident how how bad um you know it was with him and you know just coming home every every day to the, the the constant you know passing out and just um you know, opening the door with that scared, terrifying feeling. Is he going to be in a rage today? Mm. Is he, is he going to be suicidal today? Is, you know, what, what is my life going to be like when I open that door? My heart would just sink. And so I was in a constant 
amped up state of chaos. Wow. You know, um, Kelly, when, when you were talking, uh, I was thinking about the, 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 the chaos that came from me not recognizing what was going on, you know, that, that there was this, this unpredictability of life and, and I didn't know why, mm. uh, did not understand, um, you know, I didn't understand what was going on in, in my family. I didn't know. Uh, and, and that I think makes it harder to deal with. Um, and because if you, if, if, if when I didn't know what was happening, then it would be, well, you know, try this, try that. And, you know, and this doesn't work and that doesn't work. And, and you get into that unmanageability. And, and it, of course, as the drinking progressed, I started to recognize that there was definitely, that was definitely a contributor to what was going on. Um, and then we started getting into, um, other effects that, um, like, I remember one night going outside in the middle of the night and discovering that the hose had been left on since I don't know when, <laughs> just running water into the backyard. Okay. You know, um, or, uh, I would walk into the kitchen and a burner would be on, you know, mm. uh, those, those sorts of things. And, and so that, that added a level of sort of tension that had to be, become sort of hyper alert, hyper aware, uh, because, um, you know, the other adult in the house was not paying attention. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and of course then my efforts to fix things didn't make things better generally, uh, contributing to the unmanageability, the unpredictability of whatever was going on. And, and think about, you know, what, how did I respond? How did I react to this stuff? And, and the answer is not well. Um, and I think one of the differences that, that the program gave me very soon, very early on was the mantra, let go. Um, you know, we have the slogan, let go and let God. And, and as I think I've said before, I was able to use the first part before I was able to use the second part. And, People have asked me, one of my, one of my sponsors said, well, if you're just letting go, what are you letting, who are you letting go to? And I said, it doesn't matter. If this is something that actually is not in my ability to do anything about, and apparently it is not in my ability to do anything about this, I just need to let go of it. Um, and whatever happens, happens, but I'm making myself crazy trying to, trying to fix the unfixable here. Mm -hmm. And so, when, when things would happen, when we get into, you know, try to get into an argument or whatever, I could let go. I could, I could walk away from it and, and not, at least not amp it up. Um, so, you know, the chaos was still there, but I wasn't participating in it as much. And so it wasn't affecting me as much. And I think, um, we have a, a voicemail from, Tony, where he talks about how um, he responds to, to chaos. Well, let's see if we can play that. Hey, guys, it's Tony. Uh, just listening to last week's podcast about setting boundaries and whatnot, and I found that um, it was really good. I found it very useful. And I heard you talk about this week's uh, topic of chaos and 
Uh, I just had you know just one comment that uh, something that I've been trying to do that's helped me out quite a bit is um, whenever there is some sort of chaos either I've created or somebody else has created and I'm in the midst of it, I try to remind myself that this one moment in time does not define me, and that there are other things that about me that define me. And I need to focus on those, and it helps sometimes to to hear that and you know to think about that. That just because it seems so chaotic and there's so much happening right now, and it's the most important thing, and there's nothing else going on but this one chaotic thing, um, I, that's not true. There's other things going on, and I need to focus on those and give those attention. So that's what I've been trying to do. Um, I'm anxious to listen to the show. You guys do a great job, and uh, have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, Tony. Um, Kelly, what do you think about what Tony had to say? You know, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, clearly, Tony is in recovery because his his attitude and, and actions of how he handles the situation now are, are really healthy-sounding. And I was thinking... You know, something that we haven't talked about yet, because, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about the, the downsides of chaos. But, you know, I remember feeling um, sometimes energized by chaos. Sometimes it was a really satisfying feeling to, to be in chaos because, you know, like you said, Spencer, things, these things happen and then I get the, I get to play the role of the fixer. You know, mm-hmm. I get, I get to make things better for everybody or whoever's involved. And, um, you know, definitely before the program, I really got a charge from that. And, um, and, and, and much like Tony said, you know, my life in those moments was defined by that moment, that act, that action that I, needed to take to resolve everything for everybody, you know, and that was, um, it was good to feel useful in that sense. Well, that's interesting. Wendy, any thoughts <laughs> yeah, on Tony's? I, uh... I, oh, definitely. I, I was a, a complete people pleaser, um, codependent from the get-go. I think from birth I was codependent. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so, yeah, there was definitely a charge in it. I mean, yeah, we're, we're concentrating on all, all the times that it made us feel bad, but oh my gosh, this, this relationship with this alcoholic was the, the best one I'd ever had mm-hmm. because somewhat because of the chaos, because yes. in the good times it was, you know, the, the drink helped him, you know, say things and, you know, good, nice things that he might have never been able to do, you know, sober and, and yeah, then, the, then there were the downtime. So it was a complete roller coaster yeah. ride. I mean, that, that was the, that was the whole thing. And that, you know, roller coasters can be fun. You know, <laughs> roller coasters are great. I love them, but not when they go on for a year. You know, you don't want to stay at Cedar Point on the roller coaster for a year, but you know, for a little bit, it's damn fun. Um, so I loved though what Tony had to say about, um, when you're in those chaotic situations, how, how they just overwhelm you and you just obsess about that, that one chaotic thing. But there's other things going on in your life and to, to remember that and to, to give them their due as well. And, um, yeah, I just really like that, that so many times I do get so obsessed and so, um, you know, narrow sighted on the, the one thing that, that it is good to just 
as Spencer said, let it go. And just, you know, there's other things that I need to, to concentrate on in my life and don't make the, the chaos my, my number one priority. And lots of times it'll work out. It's uh, lots of times I'm getting in the way of, of the chaos, you know, uh, uh, my, my worst enemy. So just letting it go and just letting it work out. And it usually does. Yeah. And uh, I want to read another comment from in the rooms.com because it, it reflects some of the, the way that I have felt at times uh, in recovery. Uh, this person said, as a recovering enabler, I think I was so used to being in chaos. Now I don't know how to handle the calm. Mm. My mind still feels chaotic even after 10 months of calm. My hope is that my mind also will find the calm and begin trusting again. And I've heard people talk in, in the rooms and certainly I've been there that we're, when we start finding calmness, when we start finding serenity, it's a very unfamiliar feeling for us. And sometimes we want to jump back into the old behavior because it's sort of like a comfortable old shoe mm -hmm. that it fits and maybe it's got you know, holes in it or something that we really know we have to get rid of this shoe, but it fits so well and, and our feet just slide into it. And, and, you know, the new pair of shoes kind of binds here and rubs there. And, and, and we know that uh, this pair of shoes is really going to be better in the long run, but damn it makes my foot hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I like the way this person expressed it. Like, I, I don't know how to be in the calm. I don't want to get back to that chaos. And uh, I loved your roller coaster picture because it, it it is true that you know there is that excitement that happens that that fun. Um, and you know when <sighs> right. So I was listening to a, a multi part. It's not really an open talk. It's it, but it, it's um, that's all I can call. It. I don't know. It's a talk by uh, an alcoholic in recovery and. It's like six parts It come from a, a conference and uh, the presentation is called having a spiritual experience. And he talks about how at the beginning drinking is just fun. You know, we drink, we have fun. So we drink more and we have more fun. <laughs> and he said, then you start, you're still having fun, but you start to have problems. So you have fun plus problems, but you still have the fun. And then when the drinking, when the alcoholism really takes over, the fun goes away and you're just left with the problems. And, and as he was, as he's talking, uh, every now and then he comes back to this and he, he says, fun, fun plus problems, problems. <laughs> and, and I really think that our experience of, of the chaotic behavior brought by other people into our lives can follow that pattern mm, yeah. that at the beginning, Hey, it's fun. You know, this person likes to go out and party and great. I'm right there with them. And then, you know, you start noticing that they're like falling down, sloppy, leaving the party. Um, I remember an experience walking out of a party with, with my loved one and it had, I think it had, it was winter and it had rained. And so there was like ice on the driveway. And I said, Hey, let's walk down over the grass here because it's going to be less slippery and she wouldn't have any of that. And she walked over to the driveway and started walking down the driveway and immediately her feet went out from under her and she landed flat on her back and I freaked and she was okay. You know, 
you know the saying, God takes care of drunks, right? <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, but man, totally freaked me out. And, you know, and I think it, it, that was sort of when I was starting to get, see the problems that were being brought into the relationship, uh, by, by her drinking. And, uh, and later on, the fun went away. And it was just, and that's sort of the part I was reflecting back on at the beginning of the episode, you know, where the, the fun was gone. Um, and it was just problems. So, um, I could, yeah, I could relate, um, to, to the piece that you read, um, about feeling discomfort when there wasn't chaos. Um, and you know, what I thought was interesting is the reading that we opened up with (laughs) talks about it all on the, the alcoholic perspective that, you know, it's the alcoholics who are provoking and starting an argument or creating a crisis or using tactic tactics to create a diversion. And, you know, I did that too. I did that a lot. Um, because there was something so, you know, like, like you mentioned, Wendy, um, being such a, a people pleaser and wanting everything to be good and great and okay. Um, if there isn't a situation to fix, you know, especially when I first came in the program, I sort of felt like aimless. Like, well, what do I do with all this energy? Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm used to having something to, to, to put this energy towards and there isn't anything. So then I would make something, you know, I would create a situation that needed resolution. Um, so that I, so that I would have something to do with that energy. And thankfully, you know, the program gives me, tools like prayer and meditation and meetings and sponsees and things that I can put that energy towards that is much more effective and useful. But I for sure, um, I, yeah, I, I did not like the feeling of calm. I just didn't know how to handle it. It was so unfamiliar that I just was, I don't know. I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. I, I, same kind of thing. I mean, I'm going to be quite honest. Um, once my all I wished for a year was that my my loved one would stop drinking, and he did after a year. And I found life kind of boring. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, I did. I mean, I, I hate to admit that, but I mean, the roller coaster is, can be exciting, you know. And, and when he was drunk, he could be amazingly loving, you know. It, it, in the good times and you know there there just wasn't that same high anymore mm-hmm. when when he was sober and um i mean the love making was more exciting the, the just the conversations were more exciting when he was sober it was just calm and and like you said i wasn't i wasn't used to that it was like somewhat kind of boring and and i kind of had to to really reflect on that and of course i you know came to the realization that that I'd rather have the boring life any day. And, and it really wasn't so boring. My, my perception had become so skewed right. from being on the roller coaster so long that actually this is good. This is damn good what I have right here. And this is, this is fulfilling and wonderful. But just in, in light of the roller coaster that I had been on, it just seemed 
dull, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't, you know, a few months into recovery for both of us, I just realized how, how wonderful it really was, you know, but, but yeah, I, I can't, I think I provoked some chaos, you know, once he was first sober, just to try to liven things up. I mean, I don't think I consciously necessarily did it, but oh, I'm sure I, I, I ramped some stuff up just to, Mm -hmm. to feel that same excitement again. Yeah, I, I want to read uh, one more comment from, from InTheRooms.com. Some of my chaos comes from internal chaos, confusion, being overwhelmed, and not being able to decide what's next, having plans blow up because they sometimes do. Sometimes it comes from not enough meditation or quiet time, or for buying into that old notion that it'll really be best this way when there are always lots of good paths and useful outcomes. I think too often the smooth process shows what a good manager I am. Of course, it could mean I ignored some more pressing need for the sake of staying the course. And sometimes chaos comes from being responsive to changes in those around me or within me. And when it tosses out whatever plans there were, being flexible may be a greater virtue than than looking in control. And being spontaneous, dare we go there? Talk about (laughs) chaotic and yet perhaps more alive feeling than when my life looks orderly. Mm. And when you were... um, Man, I had a thought, and it just has fled my head. Can somebody help me out here for a minute? Like I try to bring it back. And that happens. <laughs> um, I, I mean, talking about creating, I think it was, I think about creating chaos and this. Oh, control, control that that I can create chaos when I feel that I need to control a situation. And the other people, you know, aren't buying it. If I keep pushing my control and other people keep resisting it, then we end up often in a somewhat chaotic situation where nothing is really going in a helpful direction or a useful direction because, um, so I used, we used to spend our summers at a lake and we had a rowboat. And when we were little, one kid couldn't pull both oars just we just weren't that big and so you get two kids one on each oar and yeah you get the picture here right yep. so <laughs> if you work together the boat actually goes somewhere but if you you know if i want to go down the lake and my brother wants to go up the lake uh we go nowhere we go in circles, <laughs> circles. back and forth just kind of <laughs> sitting still wailing or you know whatever and and that, to me, is the kind of chaos that comes from, from not accepting, you know, other people's input, and from saying, "No, I'm going to control the situation." And, and, you know, that situation I talked about last week when we were on vacation. Um, I talked about it last week when we were on vacation years ago, and and I managed to manipulate the situation so there was no alcohol left at the end of the day and no way to get any. Um, that was me being in control, and that really did cause. Uh, chaos that lasted for through through the next day at least and and I think actually into the day after uh, and um, because I had to I had to exert my will I had to you know m- that was what was most important to me I thought and I suffered those consequences of of uh, a, a chaotic um, reaction rebound to to my attempt to exert control over something that you know I didn't have control over but I had enough control to, to really push things uh, off to the side. Um, you know, I think about 
like a, a piece of a springy metal or something. And I push it off to the side. And when I let go, it goes, boy, 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 you know, and that was kind of the, the life experience that I had after that. <laughs> um, so I think let's, why don't we, unless you guys have a little bit more to contribute about sort of chaos, how we create chaos, how we react to chaos. I think I want to move on to this question of, so how do we find serenity when the chaos is still going on around us? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe, I don't know, Wendy, you're nodding. Do you have some thoughts to share right now? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, um, I just reckon the, the program, I had no tools to, to deal with chaos before the program. My, my life had been a life of chaos but before the program and I, I realized it so much more after coming into recovery but um you know, slogans you know I, I when I first read them I just thought oh how cheesy how silly <laughs> and I never had any idea how much I would grasp upon those slogans and use them daily I mean things just like the serenity prayer the the the, the concept that there are things I can't control and I shouldn't even try to control and there are some things that I can control, but the wisdom to know the difference, you know, it's silly sayings like keeping my side of the street clean, the, the, the concept that some things are just other people's. And, I, you know, if he is drunk and falling down and, and, you know, doing whatever, I don't, I don't have to play into that. I can just concentrate on me. I can't control what he's doing, what he's feeling. All I can control is how I react, what I'm doing, what I'm feeling. And so the concept of the hula hoop, you know, take care of only what's, you know, around me and my hula hoop and not worrying about somebody else. You know, those are tools that, once again, they just sounded so stupid when I first heard them. And, oh, my gosh, they were life-saving, life-changing to me. So so, so that that's something just really trying to concentrate on, A, is it mine or is it someone else's? And when there's a, a chaotic situation, is it really just that person bringing it in or what's my part in it? Um, you know, really trying the, to to concentrate on those two concepts has really made a a huge impact on um on my recovery and just the concept of being kind to myself. You know, just if I did react badly and if I did amp up the the chaos, well, I'm human, you know, and recognize it, see it, work on it, and, and move on. You know. Those are some of the things that that have really helped me as I, I've been um, coming through recovery. Kelly, do you? Have- I mean, I definitely have to agree with Wendy that it, it's it's all about the tools. I mean, I think for me, in terms of finding serenity within the chaos, there's sort of it's sort of a, a twofold process for me. The first is the daily maintenance. You know, there are things that I have to do on a daily basis to, you know, find that, that, that balance point, you know, to get myself right, I guess. Um, you know, I have to go to meetings. I have to, um, you know, say the third and seventh step prayer in the morning. Um, I have to exercise, you know, so there's some, there's some daily things that I have to do, uh, to, to maintain a somewhat stable place of being. And, and then when the chaotic moments hit, so, so when that happens, I kind of already have this, 
you know, this, uh, this underlying feeling of serenity that I can pull from. But then, then that's when I really have to rely on a lot of the tools that you mentioned, Wendy, you know, a lot of the slogans. I have to get on the phone. I have to call somebody and talk through the situation with them because most of the time, the first thought that I have is the last thing I should do, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I need to talk to somebody who's not involved in the situation and, um, and, and get their viewpoint. Um, I have to, uh, I can do some reading, you know, I can pull out the literature about whatever topic it is that I'm struggling with or whatever the chaos is surrounding and, and sort of read somebody else's experience, strength and hope and see if that helps. Um, so, so yeah, I feel like it's kind of that twofold process for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I have a distinct memory of a day and I think, I think I was about two years into the program at that point. Um, my loved one was still drinking. There was still that chaos happening. Um, and we had been through a couple of experiences of residential treatment um, and relapse, and which, you know, that whole situation felt extremely unmanageable. The program was teaching me to let go of um, that process of her recovery that I didn't have control over and to focus on myself. And so I was going to meetings. I was, I had a sponsor. I was working the steps with a small group. Um, I was doing service in meetings. I was not yet sponsoring anybody at that point. Uh, And one day um, I was at, uh, one of my regular meetings and at the end of the meeting, I was, I was, you know, after the meeting, I was talking to somebody and I said, you know what? I have been serene all day. I I did not f- have despair or anger or rage or frustration, or I didn't have any of those feelings today. I, would, I just had serenity and nothing had changed for the better outside of me. The outside was still just, the way it had been, uh, something had changed inside. And all I could say that day was, this is a gift from my higher power mm. to give me a day of serenity. Um, I liked what you said, Kelly, about the daily maintenance, because I think that is so true because mm-hmm. the only way that, that I can find calm in the chaos is to have a core a place, a nugget of spiritual calm, a spiritual center, um, stability, a place to stand spiritually, not physically, um, <laughs> that I can go to when I need, you know, I need that strength to be calm, to, to feel, to, to not, and, you know, God knows I don't always find it. Um, yeah. Kelly knows I don't always find it because I'm <laughs> calling her. Days, you know? like, oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> um, you know, I think I think that daily maintenance really helps. Um, it helps in the sense that I definitely it prevents me from creating the kind of situations that I used to create, and it also makes me a lot less likely to pick up the rope. Yeah. Um, which, uh, which is you know the the flip side of of. Um, 
not getting into the can, chaos. Can you explain that little bit of jargon, picking up the rope? Picking up the rope. Um, oh, man. Well... Uh, I think we use the example in meetings of sort of like a tug of war with, uh, you know, with your qualifiers and, uh, you know, as the, as the opening reading suggested, when they want to engage with you, they'll toss you the rope and you, you have the choice of picking it up and playing the game of tug of war or leaving the rope on the ground. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so how do we find serenity? I mean, for me, it was, it, as I say, it was a matter of uh, becoming more spiritually fit. And how did I get there? I worked the steps. Uh, I came to meetings. I practiced the program. Um, and you were talking about the serenity prayer, Wendy, and that's, you know, that is a key, a key tool. Again, this, uh, the speaker that I was, that I've been listening to, I'm in the, I think I just finished part two of six parts, but it's keeping me going. It's really, you know, I want to listen to the rest of it. Um, and I looked him up. It's Father Tom W., who mm. uh, I think is out of California, uh, San Francisco, maybe. He talks about being in Northern California and, and, you know, funny things like how different the meetings in Southern California are. They don't do it right <laughs> down there. <you> know? <laughs> um, but near the beginning of, of the first segment, he talked about the serenity prayer and the wisdom to know the difference. And he said, you know, what can I control? What can I change? Oh, no. What can't I change? Well, I can't change other people. I can't change the past, and I can't change the truth. What can I change? Well, I can change my actions, I can change my thinking, and I can change my attitudes. Um, and, that, you know, that's very simple. <laughs> my thinking, my actions, my attitudes, that's, that's what I can change. Uh, so when, if I can take the pause to think, which sometimes doesn't happen, but <laughs> more, maybe more now than not, I, I hope, uh, I can say, is this, you know, we say, is this inside my hula hoop is, you know, put, put a hula hoop around you and everything inside that is the stuff you can tr control. Everything outside that is stuff that you probably can't control. And how do I determine that without a physical hula hoop? Because also it's often the situation is not physical, it's emotional or whatever. Mm -hmm. And well, is it my actions, my thinking, my attitudes that can make a difference here? Um, or am I trying to make somebody else do something that different? Uh, am I trying to change something that already happened? Um, am I denying uh, am I in denial about something that's true? If, you know, so those that, then I have to let go and I have to, I have to say, okay, I can't change those things. What, and what can I do? Maybe it's just let go. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's for me, when I accept what I can't change, it allows me to focus on the changes that I can make that will actually accomplish something. Mm. Um, you know, so if the reality is, um, I don't know, the reality is that the balance in the bank account is low. Well, that's true. That's not something that I can say, no, it's not. Well, I, I could say that. Okay. Um, uh, and in the past, I have said that by just sort of closing my eyes and looking away. Uh, just, you know, it'll be okay. Right. And, um, well, what can I do? Um, I can take some action. I can figure out 
what things I'm not going to spend money on until my next paycheck. Um, I can maybe move some money from a savings account into the checking account. Um, worst case, I can take a cash advance on a credit card, which God knows we've done, um, to get through till, you know, the paycheck because these bills are going to hit the account whether we want them to or not. And that is also true. Um, I can say, no, I don't want the electric bill to hit the account this month. <laughs> okay. That's not going to happen. <laughs> There's not enough money in the account to pay the electric bill. Bad things are going to happen. Okay. Um, and I can, and this is, this is, this is one I'm still working on. I can say, and I'm actually going to plan ahead to make this less likely to happen next month. Mm. Um, I'm struggling with that one. <laughs> you said something, Spencer, that, that just it struck a chord with me. You said, you know, in, in those times, if I take the, the moment to think and sometimes I don't, you know, really, that's why the slogans work. Even though they're simple and silly sounding, that's exactly why they work. Because, because we they are. You're in that moment of chaos and you can't remember some big old long passage that you, you've <laughs> read in some book to help you get through it. You need something quick, down and dirty. And that's why those slogans work. You know, it's easy to remember. They can come to your mind and they can calm you just in that instant, being able to, to bring up those two words, let go, you know, uh, you know, is it in my hula hoop? It's silly. So you remember it and it's something that you can grab onto the serenity prayer. We say it all the time for a reason, a, because it worked and B so that you remember it and you have it at your fingertips. It's at the tip of your tongue every time you get yourself into one of those situations. And, and that's why in, especially in chaos, when things are just so out of control, those slogans really can save your life somewhat. Yeah. yeah. One that one that comes to my mind that has often prevented me from stirring up the chaos that maybe my loved one, one of my loved ones is trying to create is how important is it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, do I need to say anything? Is it really that important? Uh, and man, that's a, that's a tool that I have picked up many, many, many times. Uh, because, as I said, we both like to argue. <laughs> and neither of us wants to let go, like pit bulls. Mm -hmm. And when there's a fundamental disagreement that arguing is not going to resolve, and neither person wants to, to let go of the argument, neither person wants to lose the argument <laughs> by not having the last word, that could just go on for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I have, I, I, I have some friends whose apparent response to conflict is to, is to go silent. And that is not our response. And, and yeah. <laughs> Kelly raised her hand. Yeah, me as well. <laughs> me as well. <laughs> uh, that is not our response. Our response is to dig into it and to, and to just keep at it. And, and I've had to learn through practice. <laughs> that that creates chaos um, and to really much more carefully choose, choose my battles, if you will. And that battle is maybe not quite the word I want to use, but it's an expression that comes to mind. Kelly, you have any thoughts on tools that you use to find serenity? Oh man. More, more thoughts, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> I feel like we've mentioned so many, but um, you know, recently we've been talking about, um, 
during the, the, our week section about this meditation course that, um, it's not a course. It, I don't even know what to call it. What do you call it? Drop in class. It's a drop in yeah. group. <laughs> Great. Thank you. And, um, you know, that piece has been really helpful for me too. It, it, that, that was the one that's the 11th step is the one that I always was kind of like, mm, don't know how to do I really have to do that one. I mean, I'm okay <laughs> with everything else. I'm fine. But like meditation, I don't know how to do that. Praying like, ugh, you know, like it was not that appealing to me, but, um, but, but I think part of the reason that was is because I, I was still at that place of really enjoying the chaos that was happening in my head and, and to, to, turn that off seemed like, well, then what, you know, like, mm-hmm. then what do I do? Sit there. That's really weird. I don't know. Um, and so, so that's really been a, a valuable tool that I've been trying to utilize as of recent, you know, I mean, it's, it's really, there is something really, um, powerful about just sitting and being and, uh, and so <laughs> we went to this course the other day this what did you call it dropping group. class a group, yeah. <laughs> group. <laughs> not a class yeah. <laughs> i mean it's instructional but anyway they, they had opened the windows and it's on this busy street and so you could hear the cars going by and uh you know we we were all likening it to this idea of as we're trying to meditate and these crazy thoughts pop into our head you know that we can sort of place them on a car and you know hear them drive away and you know t- tools like that are really helpful too like just to 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 get rid of those antsy thoughts you know yeah i was having a lot of trouble with antsy thoughts during meditation <laughs> i i was able to focus on just breathing 5 seconds at a time <laughs> and then and then the thoughts would come back and start whirling around and and then um, I, I think once I managed to, to, to sort of put one on a car and have it, have it get driven <laughs> away. It just, it, I did feel better at the end of the time, but I also felt like maybe I was trying too hard. I don't know. I was mm. just struggling with the, with the calming my mind. And I think, um, I think I just need to do it more. I think it's just, it's like, how did I get where I am now? Well, I worked on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about where do I put all that energy? And, you know, what the program tells us is, well, put that energy into yourself. Put that energy into working the steps or, um, yeah. you know, working on yourself. Put, your, put that energy into self-care. Um, we, a couple, uh, at least one of our listeners, uh, in talking about the chaos topic, uh, mentioned per- that this might be a particularly good topic with uh, holidays coming up. For many of us, um, that season when we feel like we have to go see our family and to. we're going to mm-hmm. be with, you know, crazy Uncle John or whoever it is that really brings the chaos into the into the Thanksgiving or into the Christmas celebration or whichever. Um, you know, I guess in the United States, we have the Thanksgiving holiday that's really like the big family holiday of the year in our culture. Uh, where you're supposed to, you know, go over the hills and through the woods to grandmother's house and, <laughs> and the whole family gathers and all the dysfunction that's, that's in the multi-generational of the family comes out. And, um, so I had a couple of thoughts there. One, 
comes from a person, one of my sponsees actually, who talked about how the the conversation on the Thanksgiving table always degenerated into these huge arguments with people sort of not quite maybe shouting at each other, but definitely a lot of a lot of conflict and chaos and and he thought one year he said, you know, I'm gonna go and I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. And he said, Wow, it made such a huge difference. Like <laughs> a lot of that chaos just didn't happen and he realized how much he was contributing. Mm-hmm. Um the other story is is mine. Uh, some uh, some years ago, I was in the I was in the program. Uh, I had uh, early teen kids, and my loved one was still drinking. And my parents decided that it was time for them to move out of the house that I had grown up in since I was age three. So they'd been in that house for going on fifty years anyway. A lot of memories in that house, a lot of memories of Christmas from when I was a kid, all the mm. things we did, all the rituals we had. And so heading back for the last Christmas in the family house with a somewhat dysfunctional nuclear family, including me, I knew that there was a recipe for real problems there. and. I thought about it ahead of time, and what I came to was to not have expectations, Mm. to let go of any expectations that I had about what was going to happen, whether that was positive or negative, that maybe we wouldn't make Christmas cookies and decorate them and hang them on the tree like we used to, and maybe we wouldn't do this and that, because we were going to be there for, what, four days or something? I mean, you can't do all the stuff that you did mm-hmm. throughout the whole month of December in four <laughs> right. days, and it's just not practical. Over 50 years. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and also to let go of whatever the other members of my family might bring into the situation, to not have expectations about their behavior. It was one of the best Christmases I ever had because I was just able to enjoy what happened Mm -hmm. and to not, you know, ruminate and, and over the things that should have happened Mm. or shouldn't have happened to just take it as it came and to enjoy it. And it, it worked for me. I was amazed. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. You guys got any thoughts about, Tools that maybe you've used at holiday gatherings where maybe you didn't want to be there, but you had to or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I do. I, I, one thought just really struck me. Um, you were talking about Thanksgiving and how it's the, the big everybody get together and the, the, the big, you know, hallmark moment. Everyone <laughs> gathered around the, the table and everything. And I wonder if coincidentally, if that's why, uh, Thanksgiving is the biggest drinking holiday of the entire year. I, in fact, I didn't even realize that until just a couple of years ago. We never drank around Thanksgiving in my family. And uh, so when I heard that statistic, I thought that was kind of strange. And But it always kind of just stuck with me that Thanksgiving was the biggest drinking holiday. And maybe now I see why. <laughs> maybe the correlation of trying to make that hallmark moment. Uh, <laughs> um, and then all the stress of being with your crazy family. Um, because everybody's family is crazy, well, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the... My, my holidays have been 
relatively pretty good. But uh, in the past, because of being just such a people pleaser, I I just ran myself ragged. And, um, you know, this year I'm really going to take a page out of Kelly's book and just really try to concentrate on go, you know, getting into and through the holidays with self-care. You know, if, if I'm in a good, stable, healthy place, I just think everything else is going to be going better. I'm going to, A, if I'm in that good, solid, spiritual place, I'm going to be able to say no. I mean, I think that's it. I just said yes to every single sleigh ride, you know, <laughs> sledding, whatever it is, you know, and just drove myself ragged during the holidays. And so I think if I come in stronger, A, I'm going to be able to to only accept the things that are good for me to accept for myself. So I'm not overscheduled. Um, B, I'm, I'm just going to kind of like what you said, Spencer, just take it for what it is, not, not go in with all these expectations of, oh, but we, you know, it won't be the same because so-and-so isn't there or, or, oh, we did this. We can't exactly do that this year. Just go in without the expectations and just take it for what it is. Um, and, um, yeah, and stop that, that, that's one of the things that I meant to mention earlier. Um, it's a, it's a one word. You can't get much more than that slogan, one word. But, um, I was in a meeting once and this lady was saying, you know, how when things just got far too crazy, she just had to think, just stop. And it's true. You know, when you're spiraling out of control and the chaos is crazy and, just stop. Just step back for one minute, you know, one second. Just stop. Because, you know, if, if, if we're expecting our higher power to talk to us and everything's so crazy, there's no room for the higher power to get in. You know, meditation, whatever it be, you've got to just have you got to stop. You got to give some room to get those messages, to get Get that help that you need and you can't if you're constantly just churning in the, in the chaos. So I'm going to try to make some of those, those quiet moments in, during the holidays, you know, whenever I can just to, to help get me through. Kelly, you have thoughts? Well, as you guys were talking, I, uh, I was thinking about an additional tool that sort of helps me in terms of chaos and that is, um, paying attention to my breathing. Um, if I notice that my, my breathing is really rapid paced, um, then I'm, I'm stuck in the chaos, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm focused on the wrong things. And if I'm, if I get, if I allow myself to get sucked up into that, it sort of starts the, starts the, the ball rolling, you know, and then I can't, and then I can't stop it. And so kind of like you were saying, Wendy, you know, just stop. Like if I can stop in that moment and get my breathing back to a normal pace, (laughs) then I think the thinking follows, you Mm. know, and then I can sort of have a rational thought instead of just go with the, like I said earlier, go with the first thing that comes to my mind, Mm. which is usually the worst idea. And, (laughs) and then that snowballs, you know, um, as far as the holidays, Something that I've done the last couple of years that has been really interesting is that I, I take a step back almost like an outside observer and I just watch everybody else mm. go crazy. <laughs> 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 and 
And it's fascinating. You know, there are so many things I have learned in the last couple of years about my family that I never knew because I was always in the midst of it, mm. because I was participating right. and I couldn't see what was happening. And, um, it, you know, uh, Spencer, when you said the piece about expectations, you know, one of my family members has an expectation for everyone who shows up at the holidays about how they should act differently than they do. And <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy to me because most of these people have had these behaviors or these ways of being for, you know, 40 some years. Mm -hmm. Like they are not going to just suddenly show up one year at Thanksgiving and be a completely different person. <laughs> and, and this family member gets so spun out about, oh, you know, aunt so-and-so is always blah, 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 blah. It, it, like she just drives herself nuts mm. with these expectations of people not behaving and not bringing the right food and talking too much and talking too little. And it's just like anything that she could ruminate on is it's <laughs> happening. And um, so, you know, something that helps me is, is that I, I tend to move around the room a lot. You know, I don't stay in any one conversation for too long. <laughs> I'm like, if I stop and stay somewhere too long, I'm going to get sucked into something crazy. You hit, know, so, hit and run relatives. Right? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like someone was saying at, at a meeting last night, you know, always drive yourself to family functions mm. <laughs> because then you can get the hell out right. when you need to and you're not waiting for somebody else who's not ready to leave yet and you know that that's kind of how I am with the conversations too like <laughs> I, I <laughs> you always drive yourself to the conversation <laughs> yeah. so I can get out get out um and you know I have also sort of noticed that there are a f very few a f family members who are more on the calm side and less on the drama side. And so I tend to hang out with them more. Generally, it's the little kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's strange little kids would be less chaotic. With the but, winners, so. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but yes, it's true. Sitting at the kids' table is not a bad thing, you guys. Right. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not as crazy. It's usually really fun and funny, and they talk about goofy things, mm -hmm. and it's not so serious. And um, yeah. Mm -hmm. To think about that. <laughs> One thing that that I do when I'm visiting family, whether you know holidays or whatever, is I give myself permission to take a break. Mm -hmm. To you know, maybe just go to another room, maybe go for a walk, maybe maybe somebody else who's a calm person wants to go for a walk too, mm -hmm. or not. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving here in this part of the country, maybe still some pretty leaves on the trees and, and get out there and, and sort of enjoy the fall weather. Um, if it's an extended visit, go to a meeting. Uh, you know, when I go to visit my parents, if I'm there for more than a few days, I'm going to a meeting. Whatever they have planned, I'm going to a meeting sometime during the visit because I need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and just knowing ahead of time and giving myself permission ahead of time to do that is really important, uh, so that when the time comes that I'm like, oh my god, I got to get out of here. I got to get some serenity. I got to get some program in my ears, <laughs> whatever. And my family's not that crazy, but I still have to do it. Right. Um, and uh, I remember last year in one of our meetings, the topic of 
oh my God, Thanksgiving, I'm going to be going seeing my crazy family. Um, one person spoke up and said, take phone numbers mm-hmm. with you of program people. Yeah. So anybody wants my phone number, I will be needing some phone calls during Thanksgiving. You're welcome to call me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can get a call. I can say, oh man, I got to step out and take this call. Uh, so there's a tool and it, and it doesn't take very much planning ahead. I mean, maybe you already have program friends in your phone. Mm. Um, maybe all you have to do ahead of time is say, Hey, can I, can I call you on Thanksgiving if I need to? Or maybe you don't even have to do that. Just pick it up and call. And, and, um, and again, that's about giving yourself permission to maybe act in a different way that is good for your spiritual health. Good for my spiritual health. Bring it back to me. my first sponsor um always suggested that not just at the holidays but on any sort of family vacation or even a friend vacation i I remember a bunch of us went to uh founder's day one year there was like several couples that had gone together and um founder's day is sort of like an anniversary celebration of aa and it happens in akron ohio which is where dr bob lived and we're Bill W. met Dr. Bob, yeah. and they really started started AA. So it's a weekend long thing, and there's all these activities and places that you you know sort of historical places you can go visit, and um you know every day that we were there, she would take time out of the day away from everybody else to go you know do yoga or meditate or just get away from. And this is program people right. that you're with, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. not even crazy family. These are people in recovery. Um, Too much togetherness. Yeah. And it, you know, and, and I think, you know, for me, the important thing is not feeling like I have to justify what I'm doing mm. to, to anybody. You know, if I need space and I need to get away, um, if I don't want to tell them I'm going to a meeting, I'll make up something. I mean, that's, you know, one of the circumstances where I feel like it's okay to lie. Like if I just need to get <laughs> right. away from you, I, you know, and I don't want to feel like I have to justify, like, I just, I'm going to go for a drive, you know, I mean, whatever it is, but giving, like you said, Spencer, giving myself permission to take care of myself in the midst of that situation where I was never allowed to take care of myself, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, very important. Yeah. Very important. I want to close with a reminder from Deepak Chopra. He says, in the midst of movement and chaos, keep stillness inside of you. So we're going to take a short musical break, and then we'll continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. Wendy, can you introduce the song? Yes. um, We're going to play a song by Jason Status called Let You Go. And when we were trying to come up with songs in regards to chaos, this one instantly came to my mind. And at first I didn't know if it really was a song about chaos or not, but I just knew it came into my life at such a chaotic time, um, in my relationship that it, that's why the first, it was the first thing that came to my mind. And, um, I had just broken up with my qualifier and I had gone out of town for a week and, and he actually emailed me this song and it was a day that he'd been really heavily drinking. And so just this, this song always just reminds me of chaos and, and it's funny, I look at it now and I think it's really kind of a stalkerish kind of weird song. <laughs> Although I still like it. I really do like this song. Um, but back then, you know, when I was just deep in my codependency, all I heard was, Oh my gosh, he loves me so much and he needs me. And maybe I can, you know, help him through this and fix him. And, you know, I was just so 
drawn to the, the chaos in my search for fixing people that, you know, it, it kind of gave me this feeling of validation, you know, if I could fix them in their chaotic situation. And, and I just also thought it was just such a rush, you know, to be loved to such a degree of intensity that, that's in this song. And, you know, and now I just, I, I'm just really glad to know that deep love, it can be wonderful and serene and it doesn't need that chaos. You know, it can still be wonderful and exciting and it doesn't have to be a roller coaster to, to be fulfilling. So here's uh, Chasing Stages with Let You Go. You said you can't go on this way. Things have got to change. When you're gone. Each day, the choice gets made. You think it's yours to make, but you're wrong. There's nowhere to run, no place you can go, nowhere you can hide, where you won't be found. There's no place on earth where you could lay low, wherever you are, I will track you down. There's no way in hell I will let you leave, let you just get up and walk out on me. There's no way on earth hell would have to freeze over twice before I will let you go. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. Kelly, you want to start? Certainly. Um, I feel like it was another kind of a good, busy recovery week. Um, had a couple of sponsee meetings and went to the Wednesday meeting um, in my last couple of weeks of my literature commitment. And... Um, I don't know how it functions elsewhere, but here we have a woman who um, is sort of like a literature house. She orders, you know, mass quantities of it and stocks it, and then you can go to her and pick up what you need. And um, Wendy and I were kind of talking back and forth about this, but um, she's, she's, I don't even know how old she is. In her 80s, my guess. No, 90s. 90s? She's in her 90s. Okay. And... She is such a pleasure to go visit with. Um, I always build in about an hour of time to go get a book order, which is, you know, it takes about 10 minutes, but, um, it's just so lovely to talk with her and hear about her experiences in and, and out of recovery. And, um, so I saw her Wednesday and the topic of the Wednesday meeting was step 10. And, um, uh, oh yeah, I shared. I shared at the meeting. Yay. (laughs) And then I got high fives all around afterwards. That was good. (laughs) Um, it was, it was a great topic. It, um, uh, yeah, the, the lead was great and the shares that followed were great. And, um, I'm, I'm glad I made it that week. Um, Friday, Thursday night, I went to meditation. I already talked about that. Friday night, uh, last night went to the meeting and that was the daily reader on, uh, wanting, I'm probably going to screw this up, but wanting outcomes faster than is reasonable to expect. It was, yeah, it was from April 12th, I think he said. Yeah, it was 10th, not, 12th, it was not the yesterday. Like yeah. Right. Uh, from courage to change. If you want to go look it up, it's a great reading. It's really funny. Yeah, it was. And, and the way that it was read was made it even funnier. Mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> it sort of, sort of <laughs> emphasized 
the uh, hilarity of it. But um, yeah, well, I think the person who chose it probably was feeling that, and so was really able to put that feeling into the reading. Right? Yes, yeah. So, so that was definitely a great reminder of you know patience and trusting your higher power. And there, there were a lot of of great things that were said as well. Um, and then tonight is uh, the AA Open Talk. So I'm going to go to that. And then there's a little bit of fellowshipping that's happening afterwards. And um, and then I'm going to be out of town all next week. So I feel like it's good. I'm kind of stockpiling to prepare <laughs> for travel. So it's good. Yeah. Winnie, how was um, your week? Good, good. Last Saturday I went to the AA Open Talk at uh, St. Joe's and I'm so glad that, that I do that. Um, I, I just, I really recommend anyone in Al-Anon to, to check out an AA open talk because it just, I mean, I know in Al-Anon we're working on us, but the subject of alcohol brought us there. And the more we can know about what brought us to Al-Anon is, is a, a remarkable gift and just a really great speaker. Um, just uh, very funny, but it just brought home how uh, kind of like you were saying earlier, Spencer, how God looks out for alcoholics because, uh, you know, how many of the alcoholics that I've talked to, the ones in my life, um, it's amazing that they're not dead. It truly is, you know, a God-given gift that they are not dead. They by all rights should have been time and time again. And, um, you know, it just, it really brings to, to light how dangerous, how insidious this disease is. And yet to hear these wonderful stories of recovery is just so, you know, just lightens my heart and gives you courage. And, and, and even then hearing about them relapsing and failing and how they got through that again. And, and yeah, it, I really enjoy going to those AA open talks. Um, and then, Last night at the, the Friday meeting, once again, um, hearing how, you know, we don't always get what we want when we want it. <laughs> and we have to, 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 to make room to, and time for those things. And I just read earlier in the day another reading on that exact same topic. So I'm like, okay, higher power, you don't have to beat me in the damn head. I get it. <laughs> Something I need to be patient with. I get it. So, um, yeah, really great shares and quite a few newcomers at the meeting. And, um, I, I stayed afterwards and talked to a, a couple of newcomers and, and that was really good. I always, I always get, I swear more out of it than they do when I, when I can talk to a, a newcomer. Um, you know, they get it because they have that, that kindness and listening ear, but, but I get it because I, it's truly an opportunity for me to see how far I've come in just, you know, almost two years now. It's just, it blows me away that just in, in less than two years, I was right there where they were and mm. how, you know, how, Trust me, progress, not perfection, but, but just the leaps and bounds I've made just in, you know, that short period of time. And, and I don't always see that, you know, in my day to day life, but when I can talk to a newcomer, I, I really see that. So. Okay. Um, well, where to start? I guess first thing I want to just sort of, uh, riff a little bit on the open talk uh, thing. I was not at that talk, but I have gone to over a hundred open talks in, in my life. And particularly early in my program and while my loved one was still struggling to find sobriety, uh, I found them, them helpful in, 
in several ways. Uh, first was just learning about alcoholism because I really didn't know what alcoholism was and, and hearing those experiences, hearing these people from so many different walks of life, so many different social backgrounds, so many different physical, uh, backgrounds and, and all, as a friend of mine in the program likes to say, you know, the story is always the same. It's just the details that are different. Mm, mm-hmm. And, and I came to see that. And I, and I came to really see that, that that commonality said to me that this was not some thing they decided to do. This was not some moral failing. That this was really something that was different in the way, um, you know, their body reacted to alcohol or drugs and, and their mind reacted. Um, you know, as, as, as the AA big book has it, the allergy of the body and the obsession mm-hmm. of the mind. And that really became evident to me. Um, and the second thing that I got from those talks was hope mm-hmm. because I could hear these people talk about how far down they had been and how hard they had struggled. And, and yet there they were sober talking about their life. Um, and that gave me hope that my loved one could find that same thing. Um, so this week I had a lot of, a lot of recovery stuff this week. I met with a sponsee on Sunday and then went to a meeting, um, which it was a good meeting. I really don't remember the topic, so we won't go there. (laughs) Uh, Tuesday I recorded an episode of recovered with, uh, Mark and Anna and Tony from Connecticut who was in town, um, and joined us for that episode. Uh, we were talking about program basics and so, uh, if you're if you're curious about you know what do you expect at your first meeting what is the program about um, what does it mean to work the program uh, you might go check out that that episode of recovered at recoveredcast.com we have a link on our website too and that was that was a, a good experience I forgot to mention that I got to meet Tony he came to the meeting on Wednesday yes he did that was awesome yeah. well he he came to the meeting downstairs and then came up after but yeah yes yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, so Wednesday, step 10 was a good meeting. There were several newcomers at that meeting and, and the person who, who opened the meeting talking about step 10 said, you know, if you're new here, uh, you know, just be, know that there are nine steps that come before this, uh, <laughs> and, and, and we usually do them sort of in order. And so you don't really have to worry about what's going on here and just keep coming back and you'll hear more that, that you connect to. And I thought about that and I thought about, the fact that um, really I started using step 10, which is continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted, I started using that much earlier than because I didn't want to be piling up more debt, mm-hmm. you know, oh, more uh, uh, spiritual, emotional debt, whatever. Um, and tried to reflect on how looking at myself when I was early in my program and, and my loved one was still drinking, how looking at myself helped me to not at least not make what was happening worse and, and maybe make myself better, feel better. Uh, and in the hopes that maybe one of the newcomers could connect with, with that, even if they couldn't connect with this concept of personal inventory and so on. Seems like something happened Thursday. Oh, Thursday I went to meditation. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and man, my thoughts were just whirling, whirling, whirling. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, I was, I was glad of the traffic noise because it gave me another focus to keep me in the now rather than, mm. uh, those thoughts that wanted to drag me into the past or into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and after meditation, 
I went to the gym to take care of my body. Um, I'm, I'm trying to make it a practice. And I knew that if I didn't go Thursday night, I would not be able to go till at least today, which is Saturday. Uh, and so I would have like four days between visits and that, and I don't, I don't want it to go that long. I need to, you know, um, so, so that was good and not at all related to recovery, but I then, uh, after after going to the gym, I went over to a place where I could watch the rest of the Tigers game on TV, where we beat the Oakland A's <laughs> oh, for yeah. the, uh, the the American League Division Championship, and now we get to go up against the Red Sox. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Tony, <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right. Next time we see you, we'll have something to talk about. <laughs> right. yeah. um, Friday, uh, Friday, I had dinner with a program friend. Um, that was very good. We talked about. Uh, some stuff that, you know, we don't get to talk about in meetings and, uh, and make a little bit more of a personal connection. Um, talked about a lot of stuff, including our fathers, uh, which both of us have not perfect relationships with our fathers. I'll just say that. And uh, meeting last night was good. Um, I really appreciated the reminder that things that maybe took years to develop uh, might take longer than 15 minutes to fix <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I had one of those. I had, I had something come up that I know that I need to make amends for. I don't know how to make amends for it. And, and when it first came, really came to the surface of my mind, I just reached out blindly to people because I just wanted y'all to fix me. <laughs> you know, if I call enough people and, and lay this problem on them, then it'll be gone for me. Right. Which is not true. And, uh, you know, I have to thank Kelly for telling me to, you know, not to put the phone down and, and, you know, think on it a little bit, meditate on it, pray on it. And so I, I sent, um, an email to my sponsor who was out of the country. So I knew that I was not going to get a quick response to that saying, I would like to meet with you sometime and talk about how I can make these amends. And I saw my sponsor this morning who said, I haven't gotten to your email yet and my computer's in the shop. And I'm, and I was like, that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I know that, you know, this happened, uh, over a decade ago, it's, I don't need to fix it right now. And I'm, I'm okay with waiting. And that's such a huge difference from the way I used to do things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, recovery almost every day this week is amazing. So next week we are going to be sitting down with some of the uh, people from the recovered podcast and watching a uh, recovery related movie <laughs> Uh, we still haven't completely decided uh, which movie, so that will be a surprise when, uh, not to us, but it will be a surprise to you when you <laughs> play the next episode. You just get to hear what movie we picked. So we're going to watch a movie and then we're all going to sit down together in a sort of roundtable format and talk about, um, you know, what we got from it, um, what, what is, how it speaks to us, maybe what triggered us in the movie. I don't know. We'll have to see what, what happens. Uh, it should be interesting. So, so check in next week for an episode that's a little out of our usual format. And we'll be, I think we'll be dual posting that on, on our podcast and also on Recovered. And let's see. So we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you have thoughts about this, uh, today's topic, uh, obviously you can't really talk to us about the movie because you don't know what it is. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we can um, tell them the two movies we're deciding between. Well, why don't Maybe we? They okay. have some thoughts. Yeah. So, Days of Wine and Roses, right? Is one of them. Is one of them, and the other one is Train Spotting. Right. Mm. So actually, okay. So if you if you have 
Um, you know, maybe you'd really like to hear our thoughts about one of those two movies. Uh, you know, tell us, tell us what, you, what, what your preference is because those two movies actually came out of a poll that was on the, the Recovered Cast mm. website yeah. uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, so maybe we'll let our listeners uh, help us make a decision here. Yeah, that'd be great. So, yeah. How can people get a hold of us, Kelly? <laughs> well, <laughs> they can leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Just put the podcast on pause and join the conversation at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website uh, to join the conversation from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com, And we do love to hear from you guys. You can share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of chaos, or your thoughts about either of those movies. Um, and also let us know if you have a topic that you want us to talk about. We've uh, done a couple of episodes recently that were suggestions from our listeners, and uh, I think it's been great for us. So keep those coming. Uh, Wendy, where can listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Well, at our website, therecoveryshow.com. There's all the information about this show, including notes from each episode, a blog with daily meditations, links to the music we play, um, there's a page to which we periodically post recordings of open talk speakers as well. And um, we've got a few links to other re- recovery podcasts and websites that you might want to check out as well. There are many ways to contribute to the content of the, this podcast and the website. Um, and uh, for instance, music suggestions, music suggestions that have that have hit you that they, they help you get through. Your, your life in recovery or, or there's something that you struggled with back before you found recovery. Um, we're always looking for music suggestions. So there's a page where you can, um, put some music suggestions. Or if you're really inspired and ambitious and you'd like to contribute a guest meditation or even a prompt for a meditation, like a quote or a song lyric, um, or just want to even just give comments, um, about topics that we've already posted out there that we may do in the future. Give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, just hop on over to the recovery show.com and just, um, enter the conversation there. Hey, Kelly. Do we have uh, voicemails, emails, or, or listener comments this week? We certainly did get a few this week. Uh, but first, we are going to listen to a song called Carolina Drama by the Raconteurs. And um, I picked this song for a couple reasons. I, I heard it the other day. It popped on to my Pandora. Um, first of all, I love the idea of uh, storyteller-type songs. You know, it's, it's not really a, f- a song format that many artists do these days. It's kind of rare to hear that. Um, so I, I really liked the format. Um, second of all, it's Jack White. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> How can you not love Jack White? He's, he's on my short list of celebrity crushes. And um, this song just really speaks to the, cha- the chaos of living in an alcoholic situation. So enjoy. I'm not sure if there's a point to the story, but I'm going to tell it again. Other people try to tell the tale, not one of them knows the end. It was a junk house in South Carolina, held a boy the age of ten. 
older brother Billy and their mother and her boyfriend Who was a triple loser with some blue tattoos that were given to him when he was young And a drunk temper that was easy to lose, but thank God he didn't own a gun In the back of his truck Took a minute to open his eyes He took a peep into the back of the house And found himself a big surprise He didn't see his brother But there was his mother With a red-headed head in her hands While the boyfriend had his gloves Wrapped around an old priest Trying to choke the man and whatnot uh, this week. And Kelly, why don't you read the one from Carla? Okay. Carla says, Hello, family of choice. I am so excited about the one-year anniversary. Smiley face. I've been having some financial difficulties that are a blessing in disguise as they come hand in hand with the liberation of myself. Have not always, has not always been easy to keep a positive attitude, but listening to all of you has helped tremendously. That's part of the reason I have not been in touch or active in participating in the podcast in the last couple of months. I thought financial difficulties might be a good topic for an episode someday. There is there is a lot in the principles and literature about it, no doubt in the experience of the fellow members. I'm also excited about sharing my story with you. The first times that you read my emails out loud on the podcast, I seriously had to stop playing it and cry. I remember well the comment of another contributor of this podcast community when she wrote, I am still not used to being heard. I feel the same way. At that moment, I never thought I would gather up the courage to call in and share my voice with you all, but I'm considering doing just that for the anniversary episode. I'm going to think about the many options you gave us. 
Meanwhile, I thought I'd share this meditation prompt with all of you. It really got to me in a peaceful way. Hope you like it. Lots of love, Carla from Mexico. And then she included, I think, a link to a, a web page with the prompt on it, or I forget. Anyway, we don't have it right here. Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, I have to say, when I when I read her email and she talked about being heard and being not used to being heard, I was at work, and and these tears just came into my eyes, and I had to just pause because that's a really powerful statement mm-hmm. of what we're able to accomplish here, and just. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, um, I know Carla already knows this, but, um, you know, we, uh, when I saw the topic suggestion of, you know, financial <laughs> difficulties, um, I don't think we like the topic suggestion, but we need it. So, um, I, I think we all probably groaned a little bit when we saw that, but it's, it's definitely something that we need to cover and, and would be of benefit to all of us. So oh, thank man. you, Carla. Oh, man. <sighs> Yeah. Um, we had a different Carla uh, comment on the website uh, on the topic of the anniversary meeting, which um, we'll tell you if you if you haven't heard about that, um, that idea, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Uh, she says, love you guys. Thank you for this opportunity to share our stories and to share this well-deserved celebration for all of us. You have become part of our lives and how kind that you are letting us become part of yours. I did not understand what you meant at first when you said you wanted to form a community through the podcast. Little by little, I am getting it. Thanks again with much love. Thank you, Carla. Uh, Wendy, you want to read the one from Rick? Yeah, Rick wrote in and said, uh, This episode was extremely helpful to me. Your insights on what happens when we try to set boundaries has literally transformed my whole understanding of appropriate ways to talk about my actions by looking at whether or not I'm trying to manipulate or shame or control. It's so useful. Your show has helped keep me sane for months when I had no other resource, but you've handed me a complete tool set to handle the area that trips me up the most, boundaries. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Wow. And so last week we had Jonah with us for the Boundaries episode, and both he and I felt at the end of the recording that, you know, we could have done better. <laughs> and, and I know Kelly didn't feel that way, and and, and, and I appreciate that. And so when this uh, comment from Rick came in, I, I had already started feeling better about, about what we did because I had edited it and listened to the show again already. But when the comment from Rick came in, I was like, yeah, okay. Um, obviously our perceptions are not reality <laughs> um, and that, you know, I have to trust as my sponsor has told me many times that my higher power will, will guide me to say the thing that somebody else needs to hear and to not worry about the fact that I didn't say the thing that I thought I wanted to say. Right. Uh, we have a email from Lee, uh, Kelly, you want to? Sure. Lee says, I found recovered podcast through your website. I listened to an episode and saw it was quality 12-step thought. So here's what I did. And this is crazy. I used my podcast listening app to make a playlist where all the episodes of interest in sequence by step are lined up to where their podcast plays, to where their podcast plays, the recovered podcast. And then your podcast gives the Anon view on the same step slash topic. It's bananas. <laughs> it is bananas, Lee. That's awesome. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know if there's any way to share that playlist. That's pretty amazing. I know. I mean, or and, instructions and you, of how yes, others can do it. Yeah. <laughs> how do I mean, you do must that? have really dug into Recovered because he's got over 400 episodes wow. of finding those those wow. topics. But um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, that would be interesting for me to hear. Definitely. And uh, finally, a comment from Julia uh, on one of our meditations. I don't remember which one. It says, wow, this quote was just so succinct and beautiful. Sometimes I think to myself that I'm not recovering, I am uncovering. Hmm. And she continues, while I am told often by my alcoholic loved one and the committee in my head <laughs> that I am becoming more boring and old because of the program at age 26, and I guess she says one year into the program, um, I am now able to see through the cloud, uncovering the truth of who I am and what that means. It does not mean that I am bland or boring or just like everybody else. It does mean that I can now connect with other people when I used to feel alone. It does mean I don't have to live in exhausting extremes all the time. And it does mean that I am maturing slowly, mind you. But that maturity is what makes me full and lively and happier and thoughtful. Now I can remind myself that I can choose the risks I take, that I'm not obligated to take the risks that are thrown at me. It's wonderful to know that, and I'm glad to be uncovering my adulthood in Al-Anon. And uh, forgot to look for iTunes reviews this week, but um, we do appreciate those reviews and ratings that help make us easier to find by those who are in need and seeking recovery. Uh, and if you're concerned about your anonymity on iTunes, you can give us a rating without writing a review, and it will not show your identity. And uh, Kelly, you want to talk about the anniversary podcast? Yes. So we are looking ahead to our first anniversary podcast, which we will be producing at the beginning of December. And the topic that we've chosen is my story. And we want to include as many of your voices and stories as possible. We encourage you to tell us your story in five to 10 minutes to be included in the podcast. And there are several ways which you could contribute your story, kind of like a brief version of an open talk, maybe what brought you to the program, why you come, uh, some, you know, something along those lines. So what you can do is send us an email and we can have someone read it for you. Um, and we have discovered that five to 10 minutes is about 500 to a thousand words. You can record your voice using your smartphone. Uh, there's the voice memo on iPhone, for example, and you can email that file or share it via an online service like Dropbox. You can call our voicemail number, which is 734-707-8795, and you can tell your story three minutes at a time. So you may have to call back a couple times. <laughs> yeah, Google Voice limits us to three minutes. Um, you can use the voicemail button on the website and tell your story 90 seconds at a time. So that would require a few more callbacks. Um, we can also arrange for you to talk to one of us using Skype or uh, phone, and we can record your story that way. Um, so if you just email us, we can set up a time to do that. Um, however you do it, we really would love to include your story in our first anniversary podcast. So keep thinking about that. And our sister podcast, Recovered, which we've mentioned several times here at recoveredcast.com, has been nominated for the annual podcast awards. Uh, so if you listen to Recovered, uh, please consider adding your nomination to the pile. Go to podcastawards.com, find the health and fitness section, type Recovered as the podcast name, and http colon slash slash recoveredcast.com as the URL. And add your own name and email address at the bottom of the form, hit submit. It's that simple. 
if you if you have other podcasts you listen to that you want to nominate, you have to do them all at once. So keep that in mind. Uh, but I know Mark would appreciate nominations. And we at The Recovery Show are not asking for nominations for our show this year. Uh, we don't want to go up in competition against uh, Recovery because <laughs> we know he'll win. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kelly. Uh, yes. So you can listen live as we are recording. Just click the Listen Live link at the top of the page, and while listening, you can interact with us and other listeners in the chat room. To get there, click on the little speech bubble at the bottom edge of the player. Um, and just so everyone knows, we are planning to record our next episode Saturday, October 19th at 4 p.m., and that should be up on our website as well. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses, which are running about $40 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Jenny did. We've also put together a list of recovery-related books. If you click on the books link at the top of the page, and if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. You can, in fact, order anything from Amazon, starting from one of those links or the search box at the bottom of the books page, and it costs you nothing extra, but it does help to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. We're here for you. We're going to close the show with the song Helter Skelter as performed by the band Fish. I don't think that I really need to explain why this song is about chaos. And if you <laughs> listen to it, you will note that it is in the performance extremely chaotic as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, so check it out. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. Tell me, tell me, tell me the answer You better be a lover, but you ain't no...